This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host, This installment of Blunt Business is brought to you by the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. It's coming to all of you, only days away, August 3rd and 4th, Miami, Florida. Be there. Get your tickets now. Register at usccexpo.com. Today we speak with a 20-year veteran in international business who is often referred to as the Cannabis Viking. Take this, your will. Not to be associated with the History Channel series called Vikings, but... We'll go ahead and learn more about that. We're going to talk about the growing trend towards U.S. and Canada cross-border consolidation in the cannabis industry. We've done that with a number of companies. The company we're going to talk to today is International Canna Brands, and we're here with the CEO and Board Director for International Canna Brands, Steve Gormley. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. My pleasure as well. So the company's strategy... It centers on acquiring micro-brands, distribution, and specific manufacturing slash cultivation companies in the cannabis space. The business model is to generate revenue from cannabis cultivation, brands ranging from flour to edibles, and from THC to CBD, oil extraction, ancillary products, and apparel in the United States. Unpack that business model for me. Sure, uh, and I'm going to modify a couple of statements you made. Um, we are actually an aggregator of mid-sized brands, brands that we can double and triple in size, brands that have a real audience and a loyal constituency, brands that are profitable. That's our mar- That's our model. So I can put it in an analogy for your audience that might be a little easier to digest. 
imagine the roll-up of regional beers. Do you like craft beers, Jorge? I've had a couple, but uh, that yeah. you know, my thing is uh, I'm more into the, into the beers I hear from the Caribbean, things like that. But uh, go ahead. So imagine a craft beer that, let's say, has launched off the ski slopes in Aspen, and it's become really popular among the ski bums, and before you know it, they're demanding that brand be available in their local bars. It then proliferates by word of mouth to Denver, and before you know it, it's on the shelves in Los Angeles and in Dallas and in New York and all the major markets. We are that model except in cannabis. We're looking for those special brands that are on the cusp of becoming larger national and international players, brands that need the firepower and professional support and legitimization, frankly, in cannabis to go to the next level. Brands we can double and triple in size that have intrinsic to their DNA the ability to go national or to be franchised. So we also feather in businesses that support vertical integration, like cultivation and manufacturing and distribution. But we're not centered on those businesses as a core component of our model. We're centered on those businesses to help address supply chain issues, continuity and quality of product for our brands and ultimately our consumers. Um, but, you know, also to support better EBITDA margins for our brands. So that's how I would really describe, in essence, who we are and what we do. I would basically kind of summarize it as a launch pad. Yes. That's yes. a good well, way to put it. These so, are not startups. These are not startups. These are brands that have a real following, and they're really on the cusp of blowing up. But there are also brands that we can double and triple in size. Oh, no, right. Those have come to the forefront. But, I mean, when I say Launchpad, I'm not trying to diminish the size of the brand and where they've come before they've reached to international candy brands. I get that. I'm just saying this is the skyrocket them right into uh, ultimate brand exposure so that it's a very yes, familiar product right. global. Yes, that's right. And I... I, I appreciate your clarification. Oh, there. Of course, um, yeah, I can always be. Right. I can always be used to be prone to be clarified. <laughs> Just say that. Uh, you know, it's more about a learning experience for me. I'm not the expert here. I'm the one that's just asking the questions here on this meager little show that gets quite a few downloads. Uh, like few other American executives, Steve, you regularly travel north of the border to Canada to run private, private and public companies. So, mm -hmm. you know, going into the Canadian market, we've talked a lot about Canada here on the show. Uh, it's been a little while oh, since yeah. we brought up a lot in Canada in general, but what are you looking at right now in the current status of the market in terms of the uh, legalization efforts, uh, kind of loosening of regulations, uh, standards that are being met and being instill, instilled still by Health Canada and the uh, Bureau of Cannabis Control? So uh, this is a great question. And, you know, I, I am American. I'm a proud American. I'm born and raised in New York. Ah. I, I'm, uh, you know, you know, born and raised in New York, and I'm um, proud of 
how the business is evolving in the U.S., that we have 31 states plus the District of Columbia that have some form of legal cannabis consumption. Um, I like looking at brands in the U.S. because they're much more business and consumer friendly. But in terms of the capital markets, you know, the U.S. has ceded its hegemony as a finance, uh, you know, as the financial capital for cannabis to Canada. What could have been a boon for Wall Street has been a boon for Bay Street in Toronto and their financial district. Their financial institutions and lending institutions have now for half a decade been financing cannabis plays both public and private. And as a result, they've created a legacy and a format for vetting and operating cannabis businesses. Now, the issue that Canada runs into is their consumer market is thin. You know, you've got 36 million people in Canada. You've got 38.5 million people in the state of California, right? And likewise, Canada has some very restrictive uh, bureaucratic laws on the books with regard to the kinds of cannabis products you can sell. So for example, if you're in a dispensary in Toronto or Vancouver, you can't walk in and buy an edible because they're not yet legal. And while they have repealed federal prohibition and that measure has been very progressive, and, had, and was a, certainly a watershed moment for the cannabis industry international, internationally, um, the problem is their consumer market just can't sustain a major player. And so what Canada has become is an incredible resource for financing cannabis companies and cannabis deals. Their public markets have become an opportunity for general investors to participate in cannabis and for investors who are concerned about liquidity to have vehicles through which they can invest. And would you agree but, that what Canada's doing right now and a number of companies are doing is they're trying to become, and I've been I've been quoting it as the, uh, the OPEC of cannabis. They are creating an incredibly uh, diverse or very stringent import-export pipeline to Europe, Asia, and other areas global really becoming a global platform to get that immense supply out to the demand of others outside the country yes but that demand is also has to be examined with with, with a very conservative view right okay. because you're talking about a handful of markets in the eu asia is largely shut down right your most meaningful markets like china japan and korea do not have any kind of legal support for cannabis businesses. I know they're trying to. The, fact, the conversations have mostly started through Europe and 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 in the in, in Asia, but I know South America's gotten a little bit of a, a promise, and I see that part as I, well. So, I was just going to say that you know Canada's competing with markets like Colombia, where and Uruguay, where yep. they can produce product much. Uh, at, at a much lower cost right. basis. And, and so that becomes 
you know, a fairly significant issue for people in uh, Canada who are relying on export models because you simply can't produce, because of the climate in Canada, your product has to be produced indoor, hydroponically. And those costs are not cheap in a market like Canada where the price for energy is pretty high. And so in terms of Canada positioning itself as an export market, I I think that that is kind of a premature assessment to make. And it's also going to be a very competitive landscape for Canada. I'm not saying it can't be done, but there are other players. uh, And, you know, and as African nations free up and are able to produce cannabis products that can be imported to Europe, Europe will turn to Africa because it's, you know, easier to ship and the cost of production in African countries, of course, will be significantly cheaper than you'll have in certainly Canada and possibly South America. So I don't know how robust a business that is, Um, but, you know, it's certainly something to watch. Again, I think the real um, value of being a Canadian company or the real value Canada presents for the cannabis industry is its ability to raise finances. Yeah. Notice you were talking about African countries. I noticed there was an interview that you had with uh, Forbes.com. Mentioned you're going to go make the trip to Safari in Kenya and Tanzania. Wow, that... That I know is also an expensive plane ticket, but I just got an amazing trip, and uh, I was just surprised. I, did. I, just got, I just got back from a two-week safari with my oh, son. There we go. Um, we went we went to Tanzania and Kenya, and I can't say enough amazing <laughs> things about the experience. East Africa is beautiful. Wow. And seeing animals like that in their natural habitat was mind-blowing frankly and i recommend anyone with the resources uh to pull off a trip uh, or even to save for something like that it was by far the most incredible travel experience i've had in my life time and i'm fairly well traveled <laughs> no and hopefully all those frequent flyer miles from up here to from uh, denver to canada are making a lot of help with that so <laughs> Uh, I'm here yeah. with Steve Gormley. He's a CEO and board director of International Cannabis Brands. I have more questions for Steve coming up in just a moment. But again, the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Listen, I'm going to keep talking about it because I need tickets sold. I want all of you to be here. What do I need to do? Do I have to buy, buy your plane ticket? Do I have to get you a hotel room? What can I do each and every episode that I deal with Blunt Business in order to convince you this show is going to be massive? It's going to be great. Wonderful information to be given in the state of Florida, a hustling and bustling medical marijuana market of $1.6 billion in revenue each year. You should come here and find out for yourself. Doctors, you get a chance to be part of that market. You can take our physician training and certification program. Take the exam if you like. Become a certified medical marijuana physician. It's worth it. Patients. You want to be able to go ahead and, go ahead and now to have your chance to don't go to the black market. Go ahead and get your medical marijuana card. Come see a doctor at our show so you can quickly and easily get the card, and you'll get it, I'm sure, at a wonderful price. You'll be surprised you get. Learn the latest digital trends and techniques in digital marketing, and 
Join us for the education. Great sessions, speed networking, powerful keynotes, a very interactive exhibit space. The 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 3rd and 4th. It's just days away. Log on to USCCExpo.com. Secure your tickets today. Back with Steve Gormley after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Expo.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Steve Cormley, the CEO and Board Director of International Cannabis Brands here on Blunt Business. In a Cannabis Times article, uh, Steve, you said this, quote, It is a relief to see Congress supporting common sense marijuana reforms that are in line with the will of the people, end quote. You were talking about the Bipartisan Secure and Fair Enforcement or Safe Banking Act. We talked about that a lot on this show, which would prevent federal regulators from punishing financial institutions for providing services to cannabis businesses operating in compliance with state laws. Will the mainstream media tell you about this? Probably not. Do you see, just my comment, do you see any daylight coming for cannabis businesses, Steve, to finally gain access back to basic banking and financial services? I think it's an inevitability. I mean, we're at that tipping point now. More than two-thirds of Americans live in a state where they have legal access to cannabis products. I think that the war on marijuana is racist and has been a failure to the U.S. taxpayer. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I think it's just a travesty that the federal government hasn't gotten on board and, you know, looked at this as an opportunity to create jobs and an opportunity to, you know, retain control of what will be a major global industry. I, I mean, we certainly didn't see technology to any other country. We, we, you know, 
we've always been an innovator, um, except in this area. So I do think that there's an inevitability. I think it enjoys support on both sides of the aisle. I think the libertarian wing of the Republican Party loves the job creation that comes part and parcel to the cannabis business. And, you know, philosophically, um, really supports less government intervention um, and more business innovation. And I think the Democrats certainly support legislation that provides people who suffer from illnesses best treated by cannabis products safe and legal access to their medicine, but also the Democrats, by and large, support prison reform. And the first place that starts is examining the disproportionate number of men of color who are spending time behind bars at a significant cost to the taxpayer for marijuana-related offenses. Now, keep in mind as well, we're hoping for some good things to happen with that bill. And also, I don't know if you read this today in Forbes.com, there was a mention about how the California State Assembly which effectively tried to kill a bill that was going to help banking efforts in California, a new bill called the Cannabis Limited Charter Banking and Credit Union Law, we talked about this on a previous episode, would authorize the Limited Charter Banker Credit Union to issue special purpose checks to cannabis businesses in order to pay government fees, taxes, rent, and vendor invoices. The idea is is that this would be, this kind of law, if it were to pass, would definitely push and lean on the policymakers in D.C. to do something and get that safe picking act up to fruition. I couldn't support it more, obviously, as a CEO of a publicly traded company in Canada (laughs) whose assets and resources are all in the U.S. Yeah. It would certainly, you know, it's basically common sense legislation. And again, the U.S. government is leaving all of this tax revenue on the table that could otherwise be deployed into infrastructure you know, the amount of job creation that would result as a function of, you know, deregulating and uh, opening up the banking industry to uh, the cannabis markets. I mean, it just makes sense on every level. And I think we now live in an environment where the majority of Americans support common sense marijuana laws. They support the use of cannabis. Most people have come to the conclusion that cannabis-related products are far less dangerous than, say, for example, alcohol or tobacco. Um, I think it's an inevitability the way the repeal of alcohol prohibition was an inevitability 100 years ago. I think we're getting there. It's just taking longer than most of us would like. And you've kind of expressed about that. Equities.com talked to you about when federal legalization will happen. And you mentioned it's an eventuality. And you said that just like we were just saying before, marijuana reform is one of the few policy issues that's bipartisan. But you predicted that it would take any kind of pro- repeal of prohibition, it would take federal level five to seven years. And I yeah. see that we're both in lockstep with the same idea that the federal government will take a hands-off approach. The States Act, which will let the states manage the process, would be my choice, at least, for where I think they should go. What do you think about uh, the fact of the state's hack becoming law and becoming the overall law of the land? And when do you think that open, that proverbial door will open, you think, if that's to come to come to pass? I don't, you know, there are people who say, should Donald Trump make it all the way to a full election cycle in 2020? This may be an issue he looks to snatch 
from the Democrats to pull in those Bernie Sanders voters again, like he did in the last cycle. As yeah. you know, federal prohibition can be repealed with the stroke of a pen by any president, any sitting president, any sitting president. Um, it doesn't require an act of Congress the way um, alcohol prohibition did. And so the process to repeal is a lot less cumbersome. It's just very political. And so you've seen most presidents and most administrations take a hands-off approach, including Obama. Um, and I, I, I think it's just they're going to let the process play out in the state. That's why I think it's going to take a while. I think if you do have repeal, you know, if, if Joe Biden ends up being the next president, I don't think um, he's going to move swiftly on marijuana reform. I think it may be part of his agenda, but I don't see him being as proactive as, say, for example, Bernie Sanders would be should he secure the nomination. But we're still a ways away in terms of having a, a Democratic, uh, you know, in terms of having a Democratic um, nominee. Um, I think that it's still too early to predict which way, until we have a Democratic nominee, we're not going to be able to predict which way, um, you know, which, which way the election is going to fall. And I think until we know who's going to occupy the White House again in, in 2021, uh, we're not going to have a firm handle on whether or not there will be any executive action to repeal marijuana prohibition. In the meantime, clearly the states have become much more aggressive. Uh, state houses and senates, uh, states that enjoy voter referendums like California, like many of the newer states west of the Mississippi. Um, that's why you see so many business-friendly markets west of the Mississippi, because those states joined the union more recently. Their state constitutions allow for voter referendums yeah. so that the will of the people can dictate how marijuana businesses are taxed and regulated within their state. And so, you know, on the conservative side, assuming that we continue uh, to have more states come online for both medical and adult use, uh, there are states that are certainly not likely to come online at any time soon. Uh, some of the deep red states that have very um, conservative marijuana laws on the books presently, I don't see those states making any change until federal prohibition is repealed. But I, I do think the states will ultimately guide the federal government through the uh, deregulation process, whether that be ultimately an executive stroke of the pen by a president or something that is more slow moving that goes state by state. I, I totally believe that. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to all the research and all the things I'm looking at, when it comes to what either, if it, whoever is, whatever the outcome of the 2020 election is, one of the things I would hope for, this is my own personal opinion, I would like to see Senator Elizabeth Warren drop out of the race, go back, 
get that bill signed with Senator Cory Gardner, that bipartisan bill. One of the things they were talking about here, a story from The Hill I'm reading from, is that if there's an executive order that is signed, Trump could commit to comprehensive federal cannabis reform in a second term, aim the allowing of veterans and patients access to medical cannabis products across state lines as prevented under state law, potential federal preemption of state laws in the promised second term reform bill, undermining rational for state initiatives, and, you know, it's just certain things that he can be done where he could go ahead and push forward without having to wait for the actual act and kind of go through it. And then the other thing, too, is that here's yeah, an Atlanta, he, he could reschedule okay. the drug. Yes. I mean, he could put it on par with oxycodone, which would bring all of the banks and financial institutions off the sidelines. I mean, that would be a watershed moment for the industry if the drug were simply rescheduled. And I think if Hillary Clinton had won, it would have been rescheduled in her the first 200 days of her administration. I, I, I don't think that we would be looking at this now, but for players like like me and other people who are looking to, you know, garner assets at a discount, you know, once those things happen, valuations are going to skyrocket. So while cannabis, uh, while the cannabis waters are treacherous and shark infested, like any emerging, like any emerging market, um, the discounts that are available and the opportunity that's available for investors presently is unprecedented. And it will change when we have common sense reform and we will see a bubble and there will be inflated valuations and it will come up, it'll, it'll skyrocket and it'll come back down to earth. All yeah. those things will occur. Uh, but I think right now for the savvy investor who understands fundamentals, and knows how to vet properly a cannabis business and its management team, the opportunity to make real money uh, is very real. Yeah. Now I got to say a couple of things real quick. I'm gonna let's go. I'm gonna wrap this up before we go to break. But a couple of things I want to point out real quick to the audience here is there. I'm just looking right now. Yahoo Finance put out last yesterday. The analysts at Piper Jeffrey actually they've talked out that there are small steps that are, they expect to figure federal legalization for the administration, the Trump administration. They think full U.S. legalization is likely in two to five years, and one factor could be whether it's to support or oppose cannabis legislation is which candidates Democrats choose to run against him. So I think that's what happens. I think a couple things need to happen. If Senator Warren drops out of the race no longer is an opponent in the election, there's a better chance for some cohesion there for support. And I, and I, I think you know, Trump has already said, even during the 2016 election, he supported at least medical marijuana and the idea to at least to see what it does. Uh, Attorney General uh, Bill Barr has also made support as well. And there's others around it, but there's not just, I don't even think it's so much the Democrats that are the, the, the hurdle. It's like you said, it's the it's the establishment Republicans. It's Mitch McConnell. They're the hurdle. But Trump could yeah. get around McConnell by using executive orders that can move cannabis closer. There's a lot of things that can be done beforehand. One of the things that's being done in terms of pressure to get this done is a story from Terratech. They recently placed a letter in the form of a full-page ad in the Wall Street Journal. They're asking for President Trump to for help in allowing states to regulate cannabis before Canada takes too much of the market share away from the U.S., in the letter, it says, That's quote, right. the U.S. is ceding a multi-billion dollar industry to Canada. Bay Street in Toronto is now the Wall Street of the cannabis industry. It will take Absolutely. Wall Street 
half a decade of catch up. So uh, my question is, I've said this on the record. I've made that same statement on the record repeatedly. Um, You know, like I said, at the top of the show, you know, Canada's had half a decade vetting and operating and integrating and building the network, frankly, and the credibility that will take Wall Street close to a half a decade to catch up. Now, you know, Bay Street can't compete with Wall Street when Wall Street gets focused. But, you know, there's, you know, that, that reputation that Canada's built, that Bay Street has built, you know, is, is uh, it's a fundamental difference um, yeah. in, in how these businesses view the American investment uh, market for cannabis. I mean, right now you've got high net worth individuals and family offices, and that's about it. Yeah, uh, who are you know who are available to to invest? Yeah, and you know it would be it would be a travesty if we allowed that to go on any further. This is where I. This is what I mean, truly upsets me with the divisiveness of just. I, what everybody wants to say, I don't want to be polit- I want to continue to be apolitical. My whole thing is, there is no excuse why the bipartisanship, the support for this legislation, that we can't look past all the infighting and get this done. And same thing with infrastructure; it's also bipartisan. There are just things that why lawmakers can't come together and get stuff done because everything is at a standoff, and it it truly. It's hurting business, and I mean, there's a lot of lobbyists out there. Even if cannabis might not have the money to go ahead and go hardcore into lobbying with these companies or with these policymakers, it doesn't matter. There's enough pressure from so many different areas to get this done. The attorneys generals, Teratech, the finance industry—they're all saying, "Get this done," and I'm waiting for something to happen. Jorge, you are selling past the close. It, I'll tell you, that's the one thing I noticed. So, I mean, just the last couple of years, just doing interviews here and just getting started on Blunt Business for the last year. This is where I'm at. I'm dead set on just let's get it done already. What are we waiting for? I'm, I'm a proactive person. I want things done. So I'm here with Steve Gormley, CEO and Board Director for International Canada Brands. We're definitely locked up with the conversation. I uh, want to talk about something about the rise of the multi-state cannabis operator. I have a question for Steve coming up after the break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold. 
old, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for Smart Pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Steve Gormley, CEO and Board Director for International Cannabrands. You you know, it was really easy to go and prep for your show, because you are not afraid to go ahead and talk to the media and talk to, in different articles and be quoted, so which is really great for me because I could just come back and expand on some of these issues because I only have Thank so you. much space. Well, you're very welcome. So you were also quoted in an article in equities.com titled The Rise of the Multi-State Cannabis Operator. You said this, MSOs are a natural progression in a maturing, highly competitive industry. For produce, clothing, or any other type of consumer goods, it is commonly recognized that it is much more cost-effective and efficient to replicate proven designs, best practices, the formulation, and due purchasing of goods and services across multiple facilities rather than one-offs. The next step in the progression is the advent of national operators who produce and select facilities and distribute products nationally. How do you foresee the industry getting there? Can that be done before any legislation comes to be? Not efficiently. I mean, you can. I think you can take measured baby steps. Um, You know, part of the issue with brand building is the Cole Memorandum. As you know, the Cole Memorandum authored by Deputy Attorney General James Cole, Cole, who who, uh, served under Eric Holder, He authored the memorandum in August of 2013, and in that memorandum essentially said that the federal government would stay out of the business of prosecuting lawfully operating marijuana businesses in in states where the legislature or the electorate had spoken with two exceptions. One was selling cannabis products to minors. Now, that was a total defeat for medical advocacy groups that were fighting for the rights of children who suffer from pediatric epilepsy and uh, you know severe seizure disorders, the Charlotte's Web, web Group, if you will. Yeah. But the second area that pertains to the question you just asked was, was the prohibition around interstate commerce. Right. You cannot cross state lines with product. Now, if you're trying to build a brand, what you can do is cross state lines with packaging. Now, that then calls into question consistency and how do you get the same kind of product and how do you maintain some continuity with your brand when you can't legally cross state lines with so much as a bag of seeds. Um, So what you can do is find strong operators and take, you know, talented cultivators uh, and operators who have proven themselves in markets like California and, for example, moved some of their junior teams into Michigan, where they're 
operating under the same formulas and cultivation practices as they would in California. Um, so those are the kinds of steps that you can take. You can also, as a multi-state operator, do all of your back office professional services across multi-states, right? You can centralize accounting and legal and certain components of uh, sales and marketing. Um, and you can diversify your sales teams by creating regional reps that only sell within the silos of the states uh, where they're operating. Those are the kinds of steps that you can take right now, but they're still inefficient because of the cold memorandum. They're still stunted to a certain degree because of the, how, how uh, fragmented the um, tax and regulatory environment is from one zip code to the next in the U.S. So, uh, but, but like I mentioned, there are baby steps that you can take, certainly. And many of us are. Right, right. Uh, let's go and talk about international cannabis brands because I'll tell you, there's a lot of great brands that we're on here, and I'm not for nothing. We're happy to go and say that uh, when it comes to cannabis radio, we had a chance to uh, be a part of one of those brands not too long ago. Uh, Julian Marley's brand, uh, Juju Royal. We actually were there for the launch of that said product, which is wonderful, and uh, we had a chance to go ahead and uh, look at all about that, which is uh, fascinating to learn about. Uh, and also, you have some other great brands. You also include La Vida Verde, Brank Brand, Blank Brand, and Skunk Feather. So you got wonderful products. Tell us, China, whatever you can to compact all the great things that International Candy Brands is doing. Take a minute to talk to our listeners about uh, what you're doing and about the brands that you offer and where people can find it. I'd love to. I'd love to. So on the consumer level, we have a family of really formidable brands that I'm really proud to represent here on your show today, Jorge, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your listeners about what we do. So International Cannabrands launched with an inaugural brand called Juju Royal. Juju Royal is a 21st century Rastafarian brand that was created in conjunction with Julian Marley, one of Bob Marley's sons. Uh, Julian is a reggae artist in his own right. He's a young man who grew up between uh, Miami and London and Kingston in Jamaica. And he's got a strong social media following. And together with Julian, uh, we developed a suite of products um, that cover edibles and uh, tinctures and uh, flour and concentrates under the Juju Royal banner. And those products can um, be found largely in California, um, but we've also expanded our CBD products and lines into Florida and into New York State, um, where we've got our CBD products positioned with Hemp Gardens in New York. We're really proud of, of that association. And we're extending our reach into Northern California because Juju Royal is an LA-based brand. Uh, when we acquired La Vida Verde, we also acquired their distribution networks in Northern California. Now, La Vida Verde was a brilliant acquisition for us. It was founded by a dear friend of mine, uh, a visionary and entrepreneur in the cannabis space by the name of Bryce Berriasa, mm-hmm. uh, and then a Michelin-rated chef, Eric Hara who is just second to none in terms of his talent 
for creating um, brilliant cannabis uh, edible products. And so together, with our, we, we made a 51% investment and acquired 51% of La Vida Verde. And they have three core uh, brand units. One is La Vida Verde, which is really a wellness brand. That's for the, you know, paleo, vegan, health and wellness, very uh, socially conscious consumer that is really interested in, um, you know, those wellness-oriented products. The La Vida Verde brand uh, of products really speaks to that constituency. Blank is really kind of an irreverent, uh, you know, brand that speaks to consumers who don't want to be marketed to with any gimmicks. They look for authenticity and they, they're really um, motivated by quality. And so the family of brand of blank products speaks to that consumer audience. And then we have Skunk Feather, which is one of our most profitable business units. Um, that's a concentrate brand. People drive hours to buy that. You can find those brands um, in some of the best dispensaries in Northern California, what we call the South San Francisco market that includes Santa Cruz and the Valley up there. Um, but we're fast moving those products into uh, the LA basin as well. We cut a distribution deal. We acquired 21% of a company called Riotous. It's a service business that provides financing for licensed cultivators and manufacturers in Washington state. But that deal came with a tremendous distribution uh, network for Washington. And so we're extending the Juju Royal and La Vida Verde brands into those markets. Our corporate strategy, again, is to continue to acquire uh, profitable mid-sized brands that we can double and triple in size that create strong EBITDA margins for the portfolio. And that will allow us to generate a platform of brands, an aggregation of brands uh, that that the majors will look to uh, as a solution in, in, in the coming months and years. That's so, fantastic. I, that that's who we are, and that's what we're up to. There we go. And like I said, uh, cannabis radio. I want you to make sure to go ahead and put the uh, materials out there on the description of the website for those that look for the episode. You'll see where our coverage. We actually did live coverage of the launch of the Juju Royalty brand at the Voodoo Lounge in the Rio Hotel in Las Vegas. We were there November 2015. We were going to cover that live. I didn't get to go there, but our team was there, and it was a great time we had by all. So I'll make sure to add that in there for yeah, those join, who want to just catch join, that as well. Join us in Vegas again this November. Yeah, I'm Jay Biss, and we'll hopefully look forward to go ahead and meet you there out there in Vegas very, very in the very near future as well. So again, I'm here with Steve Gormley, the CEO and Board Director for International Canada Brands. Again, Steve, thanks for making time to join us. Great conversation, and I hope we get a chance oh, to reconnect very me. soon. Anytime, anytime. You're 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 uh, you're always welcome, and it's an honor to be able to speak to your audience. Our pleasure. We're got, we're kind of going to keep you on board and uh, stay connected uh, as we go along, and we'll see how everything happens between International Canada Brands. If anything else comes along, please send the word along, and we'll be happy to have you back on. I certainly will. Thank you so much, Jorge. So that said, that's going to do it for this edition of Blunt Business. Again, I, I don't want to go ahead and press it too much, but I'm going to press it one more time. United States Cannabis Conference and Expo for 2019. Join us this August 
in Miami, Florida, August 3rd and 4th, usccexpo.com. Again, that's usccexpo.com. We'll help you join us there. So, again, thanks for joining us. You can download past episodes of Blunt Business by going to CannabisRadio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts. Make sure to give us a five-star, and please review the show. Show them you love us. Show the fans you love us because it really will help us out a lot. Get us up higher and higher up on the listing for Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, which is where I like to listen to my podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.